Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. All right, all right, we are at it again, rolling out another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast. And I'm pretty happy because this was a good connection and a conversation with my good friend Jessica Byers. And uh, you may know her on social as Follow Her Arrow. This is a beautiful brand that she's built as basically being an ambassador for sharing her journey as a woman in the outdoors. Um, which if you are on social, you've probably seen some of the things that she's been a part of. She's a very talented writer, uh, a very cool outdoorsman, and I just love the way that she's always authentically sharing her experiences, her trials, her failures, and um, it was also really cool to hear about her recent transition and move with her husband, Braxton. They moved from Texas to Utah. They're living their best life right now up in the mountains, and Honestly, hearing her and her husband's story, just how it's unfolded and how they've had failures that have really brought them closer together gave me all the feels, I'm not going to lie. So it was really cool to catch up with her. Of course, before we roll this out, I want to tell you at the end, if you're looking for hunting information, we talk about that move that led them to uh, Hunt and Fool. So this is the company that they're both working for now. She is in marketing. He is... Uh, an outfitter advisor for Hunt and Fool. Um, So we get to talk about that if you're interested in learning more about how that system works and how the strategy behind that can help you prepare for your hunts and just getting an idea for strategy on um, even if you're just looking at in your home state now or if you're looking to expand to go to other states to hunt. This is a pretty cool system that they've got. It's a 25-year-old company. But before we roll this out and you get into the episode, I again want to talk about this being Lyme Disease Awareness Month. So if you listened to the last episode, you heard me talk about Sawyer products over at Sawyer.com. May is this National Lyme Disease Awareness Month. That doesn't mean that this is the only time we should be focusing on preventing interactions with ticks but it's also a good opportunity to talk about it. So Lyme disease can really affect, it's a neurological disease, can affect the skin, joints, nervous system, and even your heart. So we really want to pay attention to limiting how much exposure we're getting. Now, that's hard to do, especially in some particular areas. I know a couple weekends ago, I was out hunting uh, here in Oregon, and the ticks were insane within a matter of of basically an hour. I had pulled six off of myself and five off of my dog. Not cool, man. Not cool at all. So permethrin is a product. It's a spray product. can be used on fabric, gear, clothing. It's 100% odorless after it dries. And it's really awesome because using it just on your socks and your boots, which will last and is resilient to rain, gives you 70 times more protection against ticks just by treating your socks and your boots. You can also spray it on your animals. I put some on my dog. I also doused her bandana in it. So she literally, after I put this on, because I forgot I had it, I just wasn't thinking ticks at the time, silly me. As soon as I put it on, both myself and my dog, Remy, neither one of us had one more tick. So head over to Sawyer.com. 
be sure to check out what they've got going because you don't want to deal with limes, I promise you. Without further ado, we are going full send into this conversation between Jessica Byers and myself, much before either one of us really had anticipated getting on here. In fact, I was just doing audio checks at the time. I pressed play, but some good things happened. So I hope that you enjoy this off-the-cuff version of the Her Inspired Journey podcast with Jessica Byers. I guess it's just like a procrastination. Um, it's just not a good trait. At times I can do that. And then it takes me being like, you know what? You're making your own self miserable and just like owning it and facing it. And anyway, that's what I did finally. And it feels so damn good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you'll have to celebrate <laughs> for sure. Yes. Adulting at its finest. It's funny yes. though, because you mentioned that and I do the same thing. Like... It's not that it's that big of a deal, but it's just something that just can weigh so heavy and just like sit on your shoulders and basically suffocate you until you just face it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So. Um, it just requires me to slow down in a different way and like perform differently than I do day to day. So it's just like it's out of my routine. I guess that's what it comes down to is when you when you like routine and you like, I don't know, somewhat of a system, it just feels like it just throws me off and I don't like doing stuff that I don't understand and I but I like to learn right so it's like I wish my tax lady was literally sitting down next to me and I could just pay her to teach me to learn it because I want to learn I don't like not understanding what people are doing with my money that makes me crazy <laughs> yeah um but I found someone that I do I do trust completely and I just kind of let go you know it's like sometimes I say you know, focus on the things that you're, that you're strong at and don't be afraid to ask for help in the areas that you're weak at. And I just kind of, I rolled with that and I was like, you know what? It's fine. I don't enjoy doing it. Just pay a little bit more money to do it. Cause I have to, you know, hire someone, but whatever, it's not making me crazy. So yeah. I don't know. It can be applied in a lot of areas of life, but as of right now, that is my one thing. So, yes. Anyways. Good. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I just was uh, talking to the boys. We had a little family meeting today and I kind of set some boundaries and I was like, all right, y'all, we got to figure this out because we're like roommates that can't get away from each other right now. And y'all are making me crazy. <laughs> so how about if I bribe you with a bow fishing trip? And if you don't like you know, push me over the edge in the next four weeks, I'll take you bow fishing. And they were like, yes, let's do it. So awesome. that's the plan now. We'll go bow fishing in about four weeks if uh, if nobody's killed each other yet. So hopefully we all are still alive in a month. <clears throat> <laughs> do you already have like, you, do you know exactly where y'all will go? Or yeah. Do you have a friend or something? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, just kind of same thing as we talked about last time, just doing our best and trying to, I hate when people say, uh, you know, this is the new normal because I just, I'm not willing to accept that, you know, um, this level of disruption is what's going to be considered normal. So just trying to figure out how to temporarily kind of just change because very much like you, I need that routine and discipline and schedule and kind of just to know when like at noon every day this is what happens and at two this is what happens you know and now I'm like okay this every day just something different is going on or there's you know so just learning to be more flexible I guess which I'm not very good at I've actually learned uh that I'm 
kind of a control freak. And I knew that I was like, Same. I totally am. I knew that I was like type A. Uh, and I like things to be a certain way, but I didn't realize how much control that I needed to have over my life and schedule. So this is really kind of uh, not very well. I'm not doing it very gracefully, but I'm very aware of it. So I'm trying to do better, you know, in small increments every day. So, well, being aware of it is a is a huge step. Like, I mean, the number of times I I witness people just, I mean, head in the clouds, just have no idea, and they they can't reflect on. Or to, you know, acknowledge their strengths and weaknesses. Like it's it's cool that you even recognize that, right? So I think being able to talk about areas that need improvement, or not that need improvement. I mean, who's to say what needs to be improved, right? But just recognizing like that's where you are and that's where you'd like to be better. But um, I mean, also not being super hard on yourself. That's a huge obstacle in itself. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, but you know, it's like every opportunity presented good, bad, or indifferent is there's, there's lessons to be learned throughout the entire process of us living our lives. And so I'm, I'm just trying to like figure out like, okay, what is right now, like presenting to me? What is, what is now giving me that I can learn? And that's, uh, that's certainly one of the areas that I know that might not be like the, the most crucial piece, but it's like the most pivotal I think in just finding a little bit more like normalcy through all of this is just kind of letting go of the things that are really outside of my control you know like I don't I don't have an answer to when this is going to end so I just need to accept that instead of you know being hung up on how annoying that is so but you know what that's kind of a good segue so I think we should just roll right into this conversation I've got Jess Byers on uh, the line right now. You might know her as Follow Her Arrow on Instagram. Um, that's just a business model that she's really just evolved over the last several years. And it's been fun to see you grow that, Jess. Um, but something that was really like when I, you know, we've actually been trying to get on this podcast for a really long time and just, you know, it's been, yeah, for a long time. And so, um, you know, sometimes the stars just don't align and you just got to roll with that. But, you know, something that I've always seen, um, just radiate off of you is though you are an emotional person and you are very um, authentic and you put your just real heart out there. I feel like you always come back to this place of investing in like your mental health and finding just like this level-headed grounded area where you can just view life a little bit differently than a lot of people do. And I'm just curious right out of the gate to hear how, like, are there specific steps that you take in your daily life that allow you to just kind of grasp that kind of perspective? Uh, well, it's, I would say it's kind of evolved over time and and through several mentors. Um, I, I think just over the years, I've realized how powerful our mind is. And at times when you get, you know, really upset and maybe overreact in certain situations or um, just feel a little bit out of whack, you're like, okay, how, how, how am I, how am I reacting to this? Is this, is this realistic? Is this normal? And then try to change my perspective. Like it really is a mind game, honestly. Um, one of the first times I ever realized it was my massage therapist back in Texas. Um, we started talking about energy work because it was she had gone off and taken some classes, and I'm somewhat familiar with it because my mom 
is very much the hippie in that way and um, has also taken some classes trying to just learn our bodies and how they interact with this huge world that we're in. And anyway, she was saying how whenever you're, that one time she was really, really, really upset and then and she was bawling her eyes out and she started practicing um, this tool of like change your change your mindset like literally start thinking about something completely different she was mm-hmm. heartbroken i think she went through a breakup or something she was like feeling all the emotions and then she changed what she was thinking about and like physically turned her body 180 degrees and was able to start smiling that sounds really like crazy and bipolar but she was like it was the most insane thing and i turned back around and i put myself back into that mindset of i'm heartbroken i'm feeling down i i'm like you know self-pity that whole mindset that we're all guilty and at times and she could start crying again and it was like an honest emotional release but the point is your mind is super strong and the energy that you put off to other people um you attract that and I think at the end of the day like I can vividly remember times where I was super down and super negative and I attracted that I attracted that to me I attracted people that also had that energy and it just disgusted me and so I started trying to practice those little skills of like, you know, when I'm feeling down and I'm being really, really hard on myself, I just think, you know, you, you don't have it as bad as other people or that I ever had that mindset of like victim, you know, I don't want to be the victim in certain situations or by any means, but sometimes we're just, we naturally do that. Like, why is this happening to me? And it's not about that. It's like, what can I take from this? And how is this shaping me? And how am I going to come out better from this situation? And just, just literally shifting your mind. I mean, so I think, I think if you can get control of your mind, it changes your reality. I mean, it's pretty simple um, in that way, but I think it's human nature to complicate that too. So I don't know. That's a, that's a really long answer to that question, but um, I, yeah, I just I just try to shift my my perspective and think of it from somebody else's per, from somebody else's viewpoint. So, if my friend was coming at me with this same problem or obstacle, what would I tell them? And oftentimes, what you the advice you'd give to someone else is not the same thing that you do in your own life, right? It's like it's like what you want to do, but you're not you're not putting it into into play in your own life. And I've been guilty of that. So I just started trying and it's been working. (laughs) So uh, there's always ups and downs though. Like I'm not trying to say that it, that I'm, I get it right every time by any means. It's definitely easier to preach than it is to practice. And I was listening to a really good podcast earlier um, on my way home from getting groceries. It was on the model health show with a, uh, I can't, Sean Stevenson. And he had a guy on there that's talking about focus and mind shifts and how to just like capitalize on memory and just efficiency, just like cognitive efficiency. And one of the things that he was talking about, too, was just being very intentional with your thoughts. And I think, um, you know, and not to be this horse to death, but it is it's all about the perspective that we can have. And I think it's also really important to note, though, like these things like this might be shifting your perspective might actually be a case of like every 33 seconds you're having to go like, okay, Courtney, you're back in that mindset. Let's think about, you know, the positive outlook to this, not the doom and gloom side of this. And 
Um, you know, I think people think, well, yeah, it's easier said than done to try to have this positive outlook on a negative situation, but it's really just the repetition of continuing to like turn yourself back 180 degrees and go, Hey, like, let's refocus this because, you know, and especially in such a, such a state that we're in now where there's so much unknown and everything, you know, there's lots of distractions. It's easy to get kind of sucked back into the negative you know, outlook on things. So, you know, I think it's important to remind, like, this is something that's like a day, not just like a morning practice where you go, Hey, I'm going to be real happy today. You know, it's like every five minutes you're going, okay, what's my mental state now? And am I choosing to see the, you know, the good and the glory and the blessed pieces in this instead of just the, you know, opposition. So outside of that kind of mental piece where you're focusing on, the intention of your mind and all that stuff. Do you have any specific like daily rituals or mantras or like morning routines that you follow? Cause I know that you're a very structured person. Um, just kind of like what we were talking about in the beginning of this, you'd like to have things done a certain way. So is there a routine that you like to follow to kind of keep yourself in check? Oh man, that's a tough question. I mean, I certainly have little like, um, points that I reflect on and Paul, you know, growing up, my mom always said, you're not responsible, like, you're not guilty, you shouldn't feel guilty for the first thought that enters your mind, um, as a response to a situation, right, like, whatever enters your mind, and however you digest this situation that you're in, um, it's not wrong, or right, or you shouldn't feel a certain way, but it's, it's every thought after that that counts, right, so, Mm -hmm. because we're built a certain way, and we're gonna, we're gonna, think a certain way and sometimes you know you'll you're like oh why did that you know that what a terrible thought but it's not about that first thought it's about everyone following that so I just always remember that um it's just like what's my thought process after that and 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 not feeling guilty for how I react um initially um in my mind um and then what was what is the other thing like well, I mean, this is pretty cliche, but um, I I feel like I'm, I'm very easily overwhelmed just because I'm I'm uh, a very much a perfectionist. And I mean, you mentioned you were Type A. I don't know if you can and I, I consider myself somewhat Type A. I'm, I can be a control freak, um, and it's just something as simple as like as pick your battles. Like, is this worth being um, reacting to is mm-hmm. this worth being emotional to because it's draining right anything you give energy to it's taking it's depleting a certain amount of energy you have for the day right so to think about um, and then my dad always said you know when I get overwhelmed I can't tell you in every situation in my life he always says how do you how do you eat an elephant tell me how you eat an elephant and I'm like dad that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard and he's like no, you're going to tell me, and, and it is so simple to think of it. I mean, he always says you eat an elephant at a, bite, a bite at a time, um, and so I try to go back to that because a lot of times my goals and ambitions are really, really, really big. I dream very big, um, and I approach each day that way of, like, what can I do today? How can I, like, be better? And sometimes I feel like I overwhelm myself because of that pressure that I put on myself, and so I have to, like, break it into seconds and almost compartmentalize so that I don't um, – just do the complete opposite and feel drained and then curl up and pull. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like you could probably relate to that too because you're, you know, goal oriented and, um, and, and structured and, 
don't know, I feel like you've been through hardships and, and pushed through them. So I imagine you can relate to that to an extent. Yeah, I definitely can. Um, I'm like sitting here, like nodding my head back and forth. Like, yeah, I totally understand that. And something that I, something that I've really like learned about myself is that perfectionism, it's not, that's not a good trait to have, you know, like it can keep you dreaming big, but it can also keep you very restricted in allowing yourself to just live, you know, it really can. It can be like the hindrance that you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, if it's not going to be done how I want it, or if it's not going to live up to this expectation, like, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't even want to start it, you know? And then too, I think, (laughs) I think it also just kind of ties into, you know, we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves. And then I don't know if you're this way. And this is just kind of like totally left field. I didn't even mean to talk about this. But I'm the kind of person that I want everything and I want it now and outside of like just an instant gratification like I just I feel so much worth when I'm productive and I think that's one of the reasons that right now with this whole you know COVID-19 thing that's going on and life is just so crazy it's like I'm like starting to feel like chipped away at a little bit because I'm not meeting this productivity because everything is so crazy And for me, I need to remember that my worth is not just in the things I'm capable of doing and getting done, you know, because, you know, there's a lot more to us than just a to do list, a massive to do list that we feel some crazy sense of pride because we got it all done and got it all done well. You know, I think that that kind of keeps us a little bit more. And I don't know that it's ego, but I know that there's something, whether it's a it's like a past connection to feeling shame about something or not good enough about something. Like there's definitely some embedded piece that kind of keeps that perfectionist thing wanting to shine through so that we feel that value. Do you ever feel that same way? Yeah. I mean, I I think a lot of, you know, those controlling um, traits about us. Well, I know where mine stems from, um, but I, of therapy to to figure it out um and it's from the past uh it's from a it's from childhood and it was the I was not able to control um whether or not my mom was sober and so her actions and and um just day-to-day life of you know well, I don't want to dive too much into that, but I, that's what it was. It's like I couldn't control what she was doing and how it impacted my life and whether she was around or not. And so I wanted to control everything else, and mm-hmm. it just molded into me. And, you know, one thing that stuck out that you said was that you're, you said it's not a good trait to have. And in a lot of cases, I would I would agree with you. Um, but I had, was having this conversation with Braxton the other day and I was like, it just makes me crazy that, you know, because I'm such a perfectionist, my self-talk can be really ugly because it doesn't feel good enough. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like I, I want it to be better than the finished product or, you know, where I completed that day or it's just like this constant, oh yeah, you could have been better. To be fair, like my dad bless his heart I love him to death but he 
I, I come by it honestly. So like even like really big accomplishments in my life, like huge accomplishments in my life, rather than saying, so proud of you, um, job, he was like, well, let's talk about how it can be better next time. Like that was what was drilled into me. And so, and I, my dad's awesome. Like I don't, I'm not, <laughs> it's not like I have any bitter resentment, but I had to talk to him about it because, um, I think it's important to push that into your kids' minds of like, you are enough and what you do is enough. And I'm proud of, if, as long as you're giving it a hundred percent effort, like I'm proud of you and you should be proud of you. And, um, I mean, I'm 30 years old now, so it's not like I'm like, Oh, well my, because my childhood was this way, I'm this way to an extent. Yes. But I'm still, trying to be better right mm. and and the other day Braxton was like you know you you say that you that being a perfectionist like it's a double-edged sword um but he's like but I think it's awesome because from an outsider looking in you're everything you excel at everything that you do like everything you touch is a success and I don't always see that but if I can really take a step back and I like think about what my goals were he, he is right because I gave all of me to that. All mm-hmm. of my energy was invested in that and nothing was going to hold me back. And I feel like you're the same way. I feel, I mean, from what I know about you and what, what you know, the conversations we've had, it's like, it just, perfectionism can own you. Mm-hmm. And again, it's perspective. Like there's good and bad with every quality in a human, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're a kind soul, then you're easily walked on or, um, I, I don't know, like I could, I could go through a bunch of contrasts like that. And yeah. it's just, that's just such as life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, I think just it's wanted some... to say that because I, I totally know what it feels like to, to feel the way that you do. And I think it's important. Well, I know that it's important to give yourself grace. And again, I'm, I'm saying this out loud, knowing that it's an, it's a, it's a daily struggle for me. Yeah. But and it's at, like, at the end of the day, do what? It's like, you could tell me these things and I'm like, yes, okay, I get it. Like, I, I understand that. And then I could echo them back to you. And it's like, because we're the outside perspective to a very comparable situation, it's easier to hear somebody else and heed that yeah. advice other than just to like know and apply. And it's crazy how many similarities that we have, and I'm not going to get into it too much, but your story is very similar to mine. And uh, I remember, and this is something that's like, I think about it so often, it's the craziest thing, because I'm 36, I think, 35. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how old am I? Um, I think I'm 35, shoot, I don't know. Anyways, um, I was playing third grade basketball, and I shot a you know, basket and made it. And I was so freaking excited. And I was just like jumping for joy. And I was like looking at my dad, you know, I was like coming out of my skin essentially. And after the game, he's like, you know, good job or whatever. But he's like, don't, don't act happy when you do something good. Otherwise people will think that you don't do it often. And it's crazy because those words have echoed so many times in my life and in situations wow. even now, Jess, when I want to be excited, that that tiny little voice creeps back up and says, but people will think that this is not normal for you to do good things. And like you, like my dad is 
amazing. You know, my parents are great and they, right. there were so yeah. many things that they did good. And this is not pointing fingers because there's so many mistakes and things that we say in our lifetimes that we don't intend for them to, to be taken to heart so much. But sure. even those small examples from your side, you know, and then from my side, it's like maybe this is the the opportunity for other people to have perspective and maybe just to own each and every word that we speak just a little bit more. Yeah, well, and it also, you know, you were talking about how we can say it to each other and feel like it's like, yes, I feel that. Yes, I hear you. Um, but to me, that's just like a bigger picture of like, people need people like we need each other. I don't ever want to have that mindset of, um, I can do this all on my own. And so I think it's really cool that when you surround yourself with positive people and they speak that truth to you, it, it does impact you differently. Um, and I just, that's, that's even powerful too, because growing up, I'll never forget. I was in high school and, um, I was a senior or maybe I was a junior. No. Yeah. I was a junior. And I tried out for volleyball, the varsity volleyball team, and I didn't make it. Uh, I didn't. Or I didn't make. I didn't make varsity. I made JV, and I was pissed because I knew that I was good enough to be on varsity. Like I'm not just saying that. Like I knew I was good enough. But what the coach told me was like, she came up to me afterwards. She's like, you didn't. You didn't not make varsity because you're not good enough. You made it because you're not a team player. You didn't. You made JV because you're not. A, you're not being a team player. Mm. You think that you can carry this all all yourself. And again, I think that goes back to being a control freak. Like I love people and I love the team atmosphere, but I can't help but feel like I want to dictate the way that things go and the way that, you know, that it's supposed to be. And I, and it's like almost cringeworthy saying that out loud, but it's just my truth. It's just, it just is what it is. And it's a, it's just one of those things I, I work through. Um, but it, then it goes back to like, she she was right like I would just get so frustrated with the way that other players would react to you know certain plays and the way they did things and you need you, we need each other right we need each other to speak truth and to learn from each other and uh um and to pick each other up and to teach each other things I mean that is the way that this world operates mm-hmm. and um and even before like our in our first conversation or when this conversation first started, I was telling you how, like, I've been freaking out, excited that I finally got my taxes done, and I had to finally accept that I'm not good at taxes, and I'm not going to be, and I'm going to get pissed off every time I try to do it, so why am I putting energy into it when there's another human that loves it and has made a living on it and wants to help me and wants to help me file on time? And and I think if we just approach life that way of, like, we are, we're like this big web of, you know, just people trying to help people, then, I mean, man, how much, (laughs) how much more positive could we be? (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Good points there. And my wheels are actually turning even more. So I've had a lot more realization since the kids have been home and since things are, you know, just different right now, schedules are different about how much control I need to have and it's I I never knew this about myself I really as far as like the control pieces go I didn't know this and even things like you know them cleaning the kitchen like I can't just you know cook dinner and then go okay you know thanks you guys are on kitchen duty and walk away like I have to almost micromanage that and before we started recording tonight I was doing the same thing and finally I was like you're doing it just just walk away 
you know, if the kitchen, yeah. if the kitchen isn't done how you would have done it, you can talk about it later if it's something that needs to be talked about. But you have to let people do their thing in their way. And sometimes that's just we have to get out of our own head to make that happen, you know? Yeah, for sure. My dad was telling me that recently when I was, you know, I, I talked to him and I was like, dad, you know, I really struggle with this mindset of like, you know, I love working together with people, but I, I struggle to have this, this control of the way that it should be. And it's the perfectionist in me and it's the, how can we make this better mindset? And he's like, you just have to, again, you just have to pick your battles. Like he said, it's something that I've had to learn. I'm in my mid sixties and it has taken me a long time and I'm still not great at it, but he runs a construction company. So he's got, you know, dozens of workers in the field and in the office. And he's like, I used to run, like run myself in the ground, just trying to manage everything. He's like, you just can't. You know, like you can't do that. You can't run your life that way. You can't run your relationship that way, your kids that way, your company that way. Like it just, it just doesn't work. And so girl, it's a challenge, but we're, we're getting better. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, now you know that Sawyer makes permethrin, which can help keep you and your entire family safe from ticks, but they also have a variety of products from water filtration to mosquito repellent and lotions. So be sure to head over to Sawyer.com and see how their products can help you fulfill your dreams and keep living your life in the outdoors. So kind of recently, I guess within the last year or so, you and Braxton, your husband, have made a pretty significant change. And I want to talk about your transition from living in Texas and kind of your lifestyle, what you guys were doing, to you taking this job with Hunt and Fool and you guys moving to Utah. Can you kind of just talk about the faith and the process of deciding, you know, to pick up and to leave where you guys were to kind of start this new thing and what that looked like for you guys? Yeah, um, it's been quite the journey. So, uh, me and Braxton, we've been together for this summer will be eight years. We'll be married for five. And from the first day that I met him, he's always he had always been in construction. And um, but I knew his heart was in the outdoors. And then I started um, my brand in 2015, which slowly we got more and more connected with people within the outdoor industry, and then. Things, one thing led to another. He got this opportunity to work at a property in the hill country of Texas. And uh, the, the big, the, uh, I guess the 50,000 foot view of this is we got to where we are because we fell on our face one time before and we knew what it was like to fail and we proved that we could get through it. So what happened was he took this job and land passes to manage a property and Within six months of being hired, they laid him off. They laid him and, I don't know, 10 or so other people off. And we had moved. When you're a ranch manager, they they give you a house. They pay for all your bills. Um, Like, you don't have bills. And so it's not just like, oh, we accepted a job. It's like, we accepted a job. We moved about an hour and a half away, moved our entire home. um, And he got out of uh, the construction industry, which anybody knows is a really good living when you've been in it long, when you've worked your way up, which mm-hmm. he had, he'd mm-hmm. been doing it since he was a teenager and he was running job sites by himself and doing very well at it. And 
so we left this, <laughs> I wouldn't say awesome life, because it's not where his heart was, but it was a very comfortable life um, to pursue his dream of being in the outdoors, whether it was running cattle, um, managing property, managing hunters, guiding, like, that's, that's my husband in a nutshell, and he wasn't living out his passion. So we got this opportunity. It was on 21,000 acres um, in, the hill, in the hill country of Texas. It's beautiful. All free-range hunting had been hunted in 11 years. I mean, like, what we considered to be a dream, right? Because I'd already been – I was already established as far as follow her arrow goes and already had, you know, my partnerships that – so I had my own income. It didn't matter where I was. I could float around. But he was finally going to be in the outdoor industry with me. And um, that quickly crumbled. Um, they laid him off. Oh, God, I'll never forget that day. In fact, I think I was training. I think you were training me for train to hunt mm-hmm. when that happened. I'm pretty yeah. sure I was in the gym training for that competition, and you were my coach. Yeah. That's so weird to think about that. Yeah, I remember getting uh, that call from you. Yeah. Okay, so what, that, yeah, it's about yeah. the same time frame. So he gets laid off, um, ends up back in construction a couple months later, Um Again, it's it, it's what we just we had to do. It's not what we wanted to do. It's what we had to do. We moved back, um, back to close to our hometown, and he did that for. I guess it was, it was over a year. I want to say maybe a year, uh, like a year and a half. By the time this other opportunity came up, um, so. Again, I'm continuing with my partnerships in the industry. I'm going to the shows. I'm going to events. I'm networking just like you do. And I happened to shake the CEO's hand of Hunt Bull at SHOT Show. And we just were walking the floor. And we, you know, I ran into him with a mutual friend. And then next thing I know, I, I didn't know anything about Hunt Bull. I was clueless about the company not gonna lie it's a 25 year company I didn't know anything about it and so anyway they do um license applications there's a monthly publication um it's a membership-based organization so we have hunt advisors that you know will help you plan your hunts from start to finish and I'll dive into this a little bit more Mm -hmm. yeah in a little bit but I shook his hand we kept in touch well I go back home and we're getting on the phone to talk about you know, planning our out our season for that year. And I have Braxton on the phone call with us. So they, you know, talk over the phone and Braxton's such a man's man. Like I'm that person that I can go six months out talking to you and I'm fine. I'll pick up like it was yesterday. My husband, if you, if y'all are buddies, y'all are going to talk every week. Like that's just how he is. It's he, he's, he's, he, he is very different when it comes to friendships. And, um, so they headed off and, Next thing I know, like fast forward, I don't know, five, six months. Next thing I know, he came home and he's like, I don't want you to be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when guys start, start with that, I'm like, oh, God. And he's like, well, I asked, I texted Jared and told him if there was ever an opportunity to work at Hunt and Pool that I would love, you know, I'd love the opportunity to be considered for that for a position there. And I was like, okay, because, you know, I'd always told him, like, there's a lot of outdoor outdoor industry opportunities, but a lot of them don't pay well, and you have a terrible schedule, and then it, it robs you of your hunting season. Like, that's what I see more than anything. Like, you're, you don't even get to hunt anymore. You know, it's like there's so many factors, and I didn't want to go just work cattle on a ranch because I didn't feel like it was 
a consistent opportunity. Like, it was just not dependable. And mind you, we are, like, scared to death that this is going to, the same thing's going to happen again that happened in, you know, at the previous job. Of, like, get your hopes up. You're so high on life. You think this is the dream, you know, scenario. And it gets just ripped from you. And that's how it felt. It literally felt like something like ripped my freaking heart out. And I, I mean, he was the lowest I've ever seen him in our relationship. And, um, but he still handled it so well. He still handled it. Like he knew his worth. He, he still held his confidence. It takes a strong man to do that. I, I admire that about him because I would not have re- reacted that way. And, um, anyway, so he's reaching out to Jared about a, a position and Jared's like, you know, I, I don't have a, anything available until the end of the year because this was during the summer. And um, Braxton's like, no, I understand. I just figured I'd put some feelers out. And I was proud of him because Braxton is very much a safe person, and I'm very much like, let's jump off the cliff and dive in head first. Like, that worked very opposite in that way. And I was proud of him for reaching out in that way, you know, like to someone he didn't really know, only through a phone, you know, through conversations over the phone. And for a company that we just found out about, it's just like all these things just seemed like, mm-hmm. why are you reaching out to them? But I was like, no, I mean, that's, that's cool. Like, what do you think they have? What would they be available? And then, and then they, I think a couple months go by and, and Braxton follows up and he's like, Hey man, just checking in. I'm really, I'm serious. Well, I think Jared thought he was kidding. And as a matter of fact, I, I'm like 99% sure he thought he was kidding because it was kind of like a playful, like I want to get out of construction, but again, Texas to Utah, this isn't some like minor thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, Jared's like, I'm really, I'm looking for a full-time marketing person right now. Like as far as full-time positions, that's what I need. Bryson's like, perfect. Talk to my wife. <laughs> and Jared's like, are you like, are you, is that even something she would entertain? Cause to be honest, like I've had other opportunities in a very similar position for other companies, but they, I wouldn't say they didn't like that I had my own brand, but they felt like it was a conflict of interest, which I can kind of understand. You'll see like these little circles of companies that work together in this industry and they stay very tight knit. And so you bring in a person who has relationships and contracts with other companies that may, maybe are competitors in that way. It doesn't look good, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so those opportunities wanted me to lay off my brand not completely but significantly and I just was like I'm not willing to do that I've worked my butt off for this and I don't really know where I want to be but that's not an option and so Braxton told him that hey if you want her to give up her brand like that's a red flag it wouldn't even be an opportunity but maybe you can talk to her and Jared's like oh okay we ended up talking and it just happened that like I think you and I touched on this like off the record two conversations ago where I just was starting to feel I felt like when I initially started my brand in the outdoor industry it was it wasn't flooded with mm-hmm. a lot of the same thing and yeah. now and I'm not saying this in a negative way whatsoever for anybody listening but there's a time when I considered like the title of a social media influencer something that I would you know, feel good about. And now I would be embarrassed to say that that's what I do. Um, and so it, it was starting to get that way. I was, um, just starting to feel this pressure of like, maybe I need to go back to like, get, you know, a real job. And, and it, it stings every time I sit here, people say like, Instagram's not a job. And like, yes, I would say Instagram's not a job, but I made a, a 
very good money doing it. And, and it wasn't just on Instagram. Like there was a lot of behind the scenes things happening, but it still made me feel like crap about myself. And I started to feel like, man, maybe I need to look at a position in the outdoor industry, but where am I going to find a job that, you know, is going to let me hunt still, you know, all those things I told Braxton about accepting a job in the outdoor industry just still like bothered me. It still was like, I don't want to give up hunting. that's in my blood. That's what I want to do. And I'm not willing to just have a week off to hunt every year. (laughs) Not when you're used to having three months a year all over the map. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, um, long story short, several conversations later, and then an elk hunt ended up being like Braxton's official interview. They, uh, we, they wanted to go on an elk hunt with us. And so, he pretty much got his interview on the mountain of Montana because, you know, at a hunting, in a hunting company, there's really no better way to learn about somebody than on the mountain. You're going to learn their strengths and their weaknesses and how they handle failure and how they celebrate and how they pick each other up. Like, it's actually an incredible place to interview for someone. And so I flew up in August of last year, 2019, to have an, like an official interview in Cedar City. Um, but Braxton hadn't hadn't met them, and it was kind of like, well, we can't hire someone we've never met. And I, I get that, right? So it's like they just needed to meet him and get to know him, and they did. And we all felt like family from the beginning, and we got the official offer in, like, I think mid-October. And we were – our first day here was November – November, so it was 11, 11, 19, November 11th as a Monday of last year. So it's been like six months. It's very fresh. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how it all happened. It's like, we took a leap of faith and we jumped because we'd already done it before. You know, if it was the first time, it's like the first time that happened, we were just moving about an hour and a half away from home. The biggest, I would say, quote unquote, leap of faith was leaving a very comfortable industry that he was in to pursue something where you have to start, kind of start at the bottom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have his resume didn't show outdoor experience other than like guiding on the side and working cattle on the side. And so it's like when your resume screams construction and you're dying for a position in the outdoor industry, it's like, you got to take what you can get. If your heart is there, if you're, if you can be all in and fully invested. And so we did. And then to have it like, I mean, literally fall on your face it's scary, but then we proved that we could get through it and come out stronger. And like he and I got a lot closer. It helped me learn more about him too. I think that was the the most beautiful thing about that. I would say failure, if you want to call it that it's like you're constantly learning more and more about your, you know, your partner, your significant other. And I felt like I saw a whole new person in him through that you know, through that struggle because he handled it so freaking well. And I'm like, wow, I wouldn't have handled it that well, you know, (laughs) but then you get through it and you're like, well, well shit, if I can fall on my face and come out better then let's, let's risk falling on our face again. And I think when you approach life that way, beautiful things happen. I mean, I, I feel like just the most incredible opportunities have come to us through faith and and trusting our gut and trusting each other and knowing that like if this doesn't work out we at least have each other and 
that's enough, you know, like not to paint our, our relationship as a fairy tale. We have our fair share of ups and downs, but it's like, I know we have something strong and, and we always come back to that. And so we just, we trusted each other. And what's so cool about the whole thing is like my interview was here in Cedar. His interview was on the mountain in Montana we came home and got the offer in October, and we were here in November. He never saw this town. He never saw the office. He never met the people in the office, like, other than the couple that were on the hunt with us. And he didn't know anything. He literally put all his trust in me and was like, if you think it's right, it's right. Like, I trust you. Let's load up and go. And we, we were in a trailer and headed and driving up here in three weeks. So it's kind of a crazy story. Um we laugh when we talk about it and like I, I feel like every few days we look at each other like out loud we say like how is this our life but then we you know we just talked about it so often just how awesome that we just we didn't give up we didn't give up what we knew we wanted for our life and you know it's not we're not going to get rich doing it but we're going to be damn happy doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's by far the happiest I've ever seen him as an individual. I see a different kind of confidence in him, which is saying a lot because Braxton's a very confident individual. Um, not to be confused with cocky, but he's confident. He's very sure of himself. He knows who he is. And I've seen him even surpass that, you know, that image that I had of him just getting to like thrive in an environment that he's been, dreaming about for so long and couldn't act on and he's doing really really well and I mean and he's in bed like so that's like the mental like and the work side of things but like even physically I mean he's getting up at 5 a.m and you know going on four and five mile hikes with 60 pounds on his back and he's getting ripped up like I've never even seen his body look the way it is it's, it's funny it's like it's cool that when um, an opportunity presents itself, how many ways it can shape who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. And so while, yes, it's certainly the happiest I've ever been. And I feel like I've found, found my purpose. I am, I find myself looking at him a lot of like, gosh, I'm, I'm proud of that man. I'm proud of who he has become. I'm proud of him leaping again. Whenever, you know, he failed. I mean, got, uh, laid off the first time you know that's freaking hard for a man with with the way that they are built the way that they were created most men don't take that very lightly yeah. and I, i'm just it's just been really cool it's been a very cool journey yeah so. that's you guys are definitely living on faith for sure and i love hearing how like even just through your words i can just feel you know, that connectedness that you guys have and just you're growing together and you're doing what you love. And there's just, you know, it's like a tangible feeling that I get from here hearing you describe that, you know, and how that's kind of just evolved your relationship and his confidence and your overall happiness. It's 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 just awesome to to know that people like you are getting to fulfill that. And it's trial and error. Like you said, you all fell on your face once you know, so it's like, what's, it's no sweat off our back. If it happens again, we know that we can withstand the storm. So here we go. You know, was it hard for you? Was there a bunch of deliberation or kind of back and forth on leaving family to go a little bit further? Or what did that look like? No, no hesitation. I mean, so like I said, you know, I, 
I can go months without talking to people and still pick like it was yesterday. I mean, family's a little bit different in that way, but still, I don't talk to my parents even every week. Like, I just, I, they, one of the biggest gifts they ever gave me through, throughout my childhood was they put me on a plane in a heartbeat to go and travel the world. Like, they never hesitated to, they never held back opportunities. So, mm. I mean, I, I went to Brazil when I was really young for two weeks. I lived in Italy in college for three and a half months. I've traveled all over. I mean, at one point, my dad sent all three of us sisters under 21, like, I think my oldest was 19 or 20, to the mountains to go skiing because he had broke his arm from rollerblading and he couldn't take us. So he's like, we all just go. You'll be fine. I was like seven or something. Maybe, I don't even know. It was ridiculous. And... I mean, it sounds crazy, and in today's world, I don't know that it would be, you know, very good advice to to do that as a parent, but I think that learning from a young age that I'll be okay, that I don't have to be in this, you know, one little town my whole life, or even this state my whole life, um, I think that's been, that was fairly, a fairly easy decision on my part, and it was for Braxton, too, because he held it in for so long, right? Like, he, but to be fair, he didn't know he wanted to live in the mountains until he went on his, um, oh my gosh, hold on a second. My boss just knocked on my window. Open it! Oh, he's telling me bye. I'm sitting in the office parking lot right now, and he's just now leaving. (laughs) Sometimes I have to sit in my truck to, like, be able to think. I don't know if you do that, but it's my, like, one of my best places to think and talk to people. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so I didn't I didn't struggle with it too bad. But and then Braxton, honestly, I never thought he'd leave his the our hometown ever. Never. I mean, he is like as simple country as it gets. The boy just he's a very he's struck very small town structure. But hit the way his mind is open has opened over the years has been really cool to watch. Um, but it took him coming and hunting elk with me. Um, so the first year I went elk hunting, he wasn't with me. It was a, it was a wedding gift for my dad. And the second year he did come with me and he's like, okay, I get it. And so he's like slowly starting to get a feel of like that tug on my heart that it, that it had, you know, over the years. And, um, so he slowly started falling in love with the idea of living in the mountains. And, and I mean, he jumped pretty easily, but I would say from the other side of things, like our family and how they took the news they took it hard mm. because the thing is, it's like, even with, with, well, with his family, he had never left. I mean, he stayed home pretty much throughout his whole life. Um, he never even went off and lived in different places the way that I did. He traveled a lot for work, but, um, it was not for near as long. And so, but with me, the difference was they knew I was going all around the world. And my dad is the same way. He's like, I don't know why you want to go travel all over this world. Like we have this beautiful piece of property, like super simple, but he always knew I'd come home. And I think that's the biggest was the biggest struggle for them. And I don't want to put words in their mouth, but that's just it. That's what I gather from it. It's like, they're so used to me going off and spreading my wings. And then I come home and then I go off again. And then I come home. And this time I just, I think he knew I wasn't coming home and he, he, he cried pretty hard. My dad did. Mm. And it, which was weird, you know, he's not a super emotional person by any means, but 
um, he and I have a good relationship, and I think that hit him pretty hard because at the time we were living on the property. So I saw him regularly, whether it was him and Braxton. We were working cattle, and the guys would work cattle, or we'd go over there for dinner and shoot bows at our place. Like, we saw them regularly. So I think from their perspective, it was really hard. But, I mean, I just... I don't want to make decisions because I'm because I'm scared of how it's going to affect other people. As long as it's not a negative impact, right? Like, I did think about my little sister. She's six. And, you know, for a split second, I thought, man, is this selfish for me to take off? Because I know how awesome it is to have older sisters in my life. Mm-hmm. I have two of them. And I was the closest thing she had. My other sisters didn't live close. So I saw her regularly, and I got to make memories with her and I do at times feel a little bit bad about that um but again like I just I just had to go and live my life and that's my dad was like I'm so happy for you and I know you got to spread your wings yeah (laughs) but it's it's got to be hard you know I try to put myself in their position it's got to be hard and I we've made it pretty clear even if I mean, full disclosure, I've told my bosses, too, like, if for whatever reason, Huntful didn't work out for us, we're not moving back to Texas. Like, the grasp that, like, or I should say, like, the, I don't know, grip, grasp, whatever you call it, but, like, the way that the mountains has impacted us individually and as a couple is, like, I just can't go back. I, I, I love Texas for a lot of reasons, and I'll always have it in my heart, but I'll always have that to go back to, and Braxton feels the same way. And so we're just like, you know, again, if we fell on our face, I mean, it's six months right now, so, and it's COVID, so I told my boss, hey, if we get laid off, like, if you're planning to lay us off, could you give us a little bit of notice so that we can have some plans, but, because um, you just don't know, you don't know what the economy is going to do, but yeah, we have sure. decided, we had the conversation, Braxton and I did, that even if, you know, this got taken from us too we know how to handle it. Like we just, we just figure it out. It's not like, I feel like when you, when you have a good work ethic and common sense, um, it'll take you pretty far. (laughs) Like, unfortunately in today's world, you know, good work ethic is not the, it's not the norm. I, I mean, not from what I can see. I feel like hard working individuals are, um, can be tough to come by and mm-hmm. that's just not an area that he and I struggle with so I was like we'll find something we'll always find something like it matter and we just kind of live on that gotta approach life that way I think through these kind of scary times and I remember when I think we were at uh, Total Archery Challenge at Snowbird like three years ago and you flew in and you were just like, I am just so thankful to be in the mountains. Like it was very evident in you and just like how you were just like exuding this happiness by just flying in for the weekend to come and shoot. So the mountains definitely sound like they have a piece of your heart. Uh, I do want to talk though about hunt and fool. So dream plan hunt. Give us a rundown. I know you said that there's a publication, there's a membership. You can use it for tag applications and just getting information on how to kind of strategize those hunts. Can you outline a little bit? Because I know that's something, um, you know, there's questions floating around all the time about, you know, are you hunting out of state or where are you going? How do you do it? Is it lottery? Is it over the counter? Um, So give us a little rundown on how Hunt and Fool can help with that. Well, this is always such a, 
when people ask this at like shows and stuff, I'm like, I know you're supposed to have a 60 second elevator pitch, but this <laughs> one, it doesn't exist for this company. Um, because I would say that Huntful makes up like several businesses under one roof. So I'll touch on, we're most, we're, we're most well known for our magazine. It's over a hundred pages a month, every single month. Um, it's a 25 year company. Um, Next to that, we're known for our hunt advisors. So we have guys that are in the field probably more than any other individual out there, with the exception of, like, guides and outfitters. Um, but a lot of the hunt advisors also guide on the side. Um, so there's more boots-on-the-ground experience across our nine, I think there's up to nine right now, nine hunt advisors um, that they study different units. They have boots-on-the-ground experience. They talk to biologists, they talk to outfitters, and they're constantly studying and, you know, putting time across the U.S. Or across, I would say, we focus in 21 states that are, you know, Western, more Western hunting. But, um, so you have your advisors that are on call. You know, anytime you have a question, you can call in and ask them, whether it's a gear question or a unit question or, I, you know, I want to go on this type of hunt or I've just started hunting. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it, there's no... There's no, like, level of question that we can't answer um, across our team. So you have the advisors, you have the monthly publication. Um, we have a podcast that puts out a ton of information, um, especially relevant to the time right now. Um, I would say there's a – one of the coolest factors is, so say that you, you draw a tag and you – want to find information obviously you can lean on our hunt advisors but what's also cool is because it's a membership-based organization we um if you call and say i drew this tag and i i would like to have some references for it and like ask people about it we have doc we have files and documentation and records of everybody through our through our clientele that has drawn that tag if they're a licensed application client so we will give them we'll give you their email um and sometimes phone number, you can choose those options, but to reach out and, you know, they may not want to tell you anything, but if it's like a once in a lifetime tag that they drew, they're never going to draw that again. They're going to spill information out because they just want to talk about their hunt. You know, like, mm-hmm. think about how, to, how excited you get to talk about your experiences in the woods, especially those successes. It's like, you're going to be hard pressed to find someone that's not just as excited as you are to talk about that. And so it helps you connect with other outdoorsmen that, maybe can help you get, you know, as you plan for this hunt. Um, so we call that our member, uh, member draw database. And which brings me into the license application department of our company. Um, for those, man, I mean, all this applies to me so much because I'm from Texas and I didn't know anything about Western hunting outside of the few hunts I've been on. Um, but if you are someone who doesn't like you know the type of hunts that you want to go on um or maybe you've you've built up points in a state but you don't know where you want to use them um you just need direction we have a licensed application department that will apply you in all your states so all those nights that you stay up or you know trying to get your applications in before the deadline we will take care of that so our pricing structure is um for 50 bucks per state and it will give you one species. So say you want to go hunt elk in Montana. So 
we will apply you for 50 bucks. We go into your account. We uh, we put the application through. Your receipt ends up on your dashboard where you can access it anytime. And then for an additional, any additional species, it's 10 bucks. So say you want to like, oh, I'm already putting in for elk. I'll go ahead and put in for mule deer or sheep or whatever. We just add that onto your application fees. And we will handle all of it. We'll call you when you draw. We will upload receipts when it's done. We'll help you plan out. We plan short-term and long-term hunting. Um, I'm trying not to jump all over the map, but, I mean, there's nothing in regards to Western hunting that we do not cover. So, I mean, we have clients that are, they've got 20 points in Arizona right now, and they, they want to burn them, but they don't know where they want. They don't know how they want to burn them, mm-hmm. and so we'll handle them. Then we have people who are like, I've never left the state of Texas. I don't know how to do this. And our advisors will walk you through everything. And, I mean, like I said, down to gear recommendations for whatever type of hunt you're going on. Um, I mean, it's it, we cover everything. I don't know how they, I don't even know how to summarize it better than that. But it's, it's an incredible business that I wish I would have known about years ago. Um, the amount of knowledge that is in this office and the content that you absorb day to day about the different point systems and deadlines and how everything works per state is incredible. Um, because no, most states kind of have their own system, how they do things and different deadlines. You have some states who have, um, all their deadlines are the same day. You have all species on the same day. This is your deadline put in. And you have other states that are like, well, for points only, it's due here. And for draw only, it's due here. But that's just for that species. And it's like all these time frames that you're juggling where we take all that hassle off of your plate. I mean, we'll do, we literally do all of it. And it's really cool to watch our team. I mean, from the day that I came on, I watched like early December we were fighting for tags for some of our members and I was up till 2 a.m. trying to get a tag for myself and my licensed app team was up to getting tags for our clients. It's like they're doing that work for you yeah, and they take the stress off of you. And, um, I, I would say like our, our tagline, if you want to call it that, is that we help people go on more hunts with better information and we can cater to anything. So if you're a DIY hunter or you want or you're you want to go guided and we talk about your budget, like what is your budget for this year? And we we plan for that. Like if you only have this amount of money for this year to spend this fall on you this is the kind of hunt you want to go on, we might say, Well, you need to build up points a little bit in this state, but let's go to this state while you're building up those points over there and let's get you on a good hunt that's over the counter or you know, whatever it is, however it pertains to you and your lifestyle. And, um, it's pretty incredible. I don't. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, it's like strategizing behind the hunt because every state is so different, whether it's the deadlines for things or the point systems or, you know, like figuring out like what you need as far as like an archery certificate. It's like, there's so many different things. And sometimes when you get busy, it's like keeping all of that in order is so difficult. So it'd be nice just to have that kind of like simplified strategy behind it. Yeah. For sure. And, then, you know, we have clients, too, that they get our monthly publication, and we have draw odds and our personal comments that we that we write. It's like proprietary data that 
no what we don't get our information from someone else right so mm-hmm. our advisors will write based on their boots again their boots on the ground experience their conversations with the biologists across that state and uh outfitters but only outfitters that we personally work with so it's not like we're just calling every outfitter and not we don't know anything about them right so they're reputable they're honest and they give us feedback and so for every the for the best units in that state we cover and put comments on our tables to help you plan and, and talk about percentages and and help you plan your hunts and so a lot of people just use it for our research information like they just want to digest it depends on the type of person you are right we have members who read it front to back and they're numbers people and they want to like play that game and like it's fun for them um and there's people like me who are still like still absorbing each day because it's so far out of what i've ever known growing up in texas Mm -hmm. it was it was private land and i've done public land hunts it's not that i'm not that that's foreign to me like i said i've hunted all over the world and i've I've hunted all, you know, all kinds of species on public land, but I always had help and I always had, I had a, whether it was a friend or an outfitter or like I had, I had help to some degree, you know, I mean, yeah, it might be my friend who doesn't know anything more than me, but I still had help. <laughs> like I wasn't a hundred percent solo hunting. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, having the, such a broad audience like that, you know, like it's those East coast and, and, um, southern audience that I feel like probably needs us more than anything because they're probably the way that I was where I'm like well I've never even you know for so much of my life I never even thought about hunting outside of the state but a lot of that was just insecurities of like well that'd be fun but I don't know I don't know how the hell to do it I didn't know hunting full I didn't know it existed so I didn't know that I could lean on anybody for that advice to walk me through the steps of, of what that's like and one thing that that I really like, especially because this is, you know, your podcast reaches a lot of women. And I, I feel for women in the hunting space in the sense that it can be very intimidating. That's the whole, you know, reason behind why I started my brand in 2015. It's like, I wanted women to feel like they had a a space that they could lean on. And so what I want to say about Huntful that might not seem very significant to anybody else, but, um, we have more women in our office than men. So we don't have hunt advisors that are women, but the, our, our inbound team is extremely knowledgeable and you're only going to hear a woman answer the phone on inbound. And that's important to me because in a space where I would feel intimidated, the last thing I want to do is get on, is have the first voice I hear be a man that, Maybe it doesn't mean to be intimidating, but it, it might feel that way. Like, ooh, I don't know if I want to tell him that I don't know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. and that I want to know how to go on a Western-based hunt. I want to go on my first elk hunt. I want to apply for sheep, but I don't even know all the species of sheep and where they would be. And, like, you know, it's like I don't – maybe maybe women don't feel that way, but I certainly did at one point before I felt, you know, felt confident in this industry. And I can see how fear keeps people from reaching out for help in this space. Yes. So I want people to know that when they do call into hunt full, we have an incredible team of women. There's four of them that are on inbound and they are the sweetest souls. And if they can't answer your question, they will put you on the call board and whatever your questions pertain to, they take your note, they take notes on what, what you have to say, whether it's 
like I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to go on a Western-based hunt for the first time. Or I have 20 points to burn, and I need help figuring out how to do it. There's no bad question. We've heard them all over 25 years, and they make notes of it. And those calls get divided up to the hunt advisor that best knows how to answer it. So if you have a call about, you know, Alaska, you're going to talk to, you're probably going to talk to Austin Atkinson. Probably. I say probably because he guides for two months out of the year in Alaska. He's been guiding there for 10 years. He, he knows that like the back of his hand. He also knows Arizona really well. Then you have Jared who knows Montana and Idaho really well. So does Isaiah. Then you have Braxton and Isaiah who are our outfitter specialists. So if you call in and you say, um, I want to go on a hunt, and I have the budget to go on a guided hunt, and I want to, or, or I just, I feel more comfortable being guided. Um, who can I talk to? You're going to talk to Isaiah and Braxton because they're our outfitter specialist, and they'll send you a list of at least a handful of outfitters to reach out to. And so it's like, it doesn't matter what your question is, we we can help you. Um, and like I said, we cover 21 states, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm over here rambling because I'm just super passionate about this company. <laughs> and, and my job is the marketing and PR person. So um, I hope that I can at least scratch the surface of what we have to offer for in terms of services here. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing great things. And I know that it's just, it's, you know, I've heard of Hunt and Fool a little bit here and there, mostly just in the name and the recognition of it, maybe at shows or whatever, but really got a little bit more familiar in the last year. And then of course, with the information that you just gave. So it seems like something that can be extremely valuable to people, whether you are a hunting veteran or you're somebody that's kind of just breaking in and trying to figure out what's your best play. So Jess, where can people get more information on Hunt and Fool and also follow along with you on social? So for Hunt and Fool, I, I just want to clarify, it's not hunting. We intentionally dropped the G. So it's huntandfool.com. <laughs> and um, you'll find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, our podcast is amazing. It's called the Built to Hunt podcast. And you're going to find that Wherever you listen to podcasts, we upload everywhere. Um, our YouTube channel has awesome films, too. Incredible films, actually. And that's at Hunt and Full as well. No G. And then my personal platforms are all Follow Her Arrow. Um, across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And then my website is followherarrow.com. Well, I love what you're doing and what you continue to do and just the perspective, the freshness that you always bring to it. I really just love to connect with you. Uh, you've been just a, a true light and a gem to hang out with and to, to catch up with when we see each other out and about. So thank you so much for taking the time with all this craziness to get on with me. I'm glad that we finally were able to make it happen. Thank you so much. It was good to be on again. I don't know if this is the second or third time, but hopefully we'll have another one in the future. And maybe if things clear up, I'll see you at Total Archery Challenge, hopefully, maybe. Sounds my, my fingers and my toes are crossed. Sounds good to me. As always, I am so glad that you showed up with me today to sit down and listen. Hopefully, like always, this has brought you a little perspective or maybe just a reset button for you to just step back from what's going on amongst all the craziness and gain a little bit better understanding of how we can just do things differently 
to create our best lives and to move in the right direction. So if you would do me a gigantic favor and press the pause button or take a screenshot of this and send it out on social media, be sure to tag Her Inspired Journey. I would love to continue to share this message and to grow the podcast with others. You can also help me out by leaving a review wherever you listen, whether that's on iTunes or the podcast app on Apple or Stitcher or Podbean, wherever you're listening right now, just leave me a little bit of feedback. Let me know anything that you'd love to hear and what you think of the show. Thank you all so much for being a part of this journey with me. I can't wait to see you again back here next week.